Welcome to Reception Insider, a podcast for medical receptionists. I am Kathy Back from the RACGP TAS faculty. And I'm Anne Davis from the New South Wales and ACT faculty. And our topic of today's podcast is the use of interpreters in general practice. Australia is one of the most multilingual countries in the world. There are more people from all over the world here than almost anywhere else. But at the same time, we're also one of the most monolingual. Australians speak less languages than most other countries. And most Australians just speak English. And I have to say that I'm one of those. (laughs) So I, I don't have a second language. But it's interesting, you know, four out of five Australians are like me. We only speak English. And as a result of that, 80% of consultations are conducted in English. But that means that 20% are in other languages, which is really quite interesting. The diversity of languages exceeds the capacity of any doctor to communicate with all their patients using their own language skills. Well, absolutely. I mean, I do speak several languages. Oh, you but... show off you. <laughs> <laughs> but only, some of them only enough that I can just get by. I speak French quite fluently, but the other languages a bit dodgily. But if someone came in speaking Portuguese or what, there's so many languages, mm. there's often going to be the need to use an interpreter. So in those situations, some doctors rely just on family members, but there's really inherent problems with doing this confidentiality, inaccurate interpretation, and the possibility of information being withheld from the doctor if the family member felt it wasn't suitable to be discussed. Cultural things will come in as well there. And maybe also the interpreter telling the doctor things that the patient perhaps didn't want them to tell. So there are lots of issues around using a family member. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about what you said about a family member not necessarily telling the patient everything. Maybe it's bad news and they're trying to shield their their family member. Yep. That's where the use of interpreters greatly improves the communication between the doctor and the patient. And of course, the flow on of that is the quality of care that the patient's receiving. Just on your point then too about receiving bad news, Anne, I think sometimes even if English is your first language and you're given bad news, Sometimes having someone with you who can take things in when your brain has just fried because Mm. you've heard something horrible is really helpful as well. So I think, you know, you can have multilingual interpreters, but you can also have just someone who can help you interpret the facts afterwards as well. So yeah, that could be quite useful. We're going to talk about the TIS, which is the Telephone Interpreting Service. It's most commonly used in Australia. In the TIS, there's a priority line if doctors need an interpreter immediately. So particularly if they've started a consultation and it becomes apparent that there's a language problem, they can get an interpreter straight away to provide that clear understanding of the problem. If the GP is providing a Medicare rebatable consultation, the TIS is free. And the TIS can also translate key documents, such as immunisation records, into English at no cost. So it's an amazing service. Absolutely. And there's also Auslan, the National Auslan Interpreter Booking and Payment Service. Now, they can arrange a free sign interpreter for clinical consultations. And what I found really interesting with this particular group is they also provide video sign interpreting. I mean, obviously, in rural areas, 
you know, that's a really good option. Something else that has only really become into my consciousness recently is the number of Indigenous languages spoken by our Australian and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Now, I know that there isn't a national system, but apparently some states do have some Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander languages as part of the TIS service as well. So would you contact your local Aboriginal centre to find those interpreters, Anne? I think that would be a good idea. I probably would just check my TIS, my local TIS, depending on what state you're in and see. But definitely there would be opportunities to find local people. And I guess the challenge would come back to that family relationships of the interpreters as well. May have to look at what those are, particularly if there's anything that might be disruptive. Always a challenge, isn't it, to find the right person? Always. So some tips for reception. Think about communication. So perhaps if someone is appearing not to understand what you're saying to them, it could be because English is not their first language. So be proactive. Ask the patient or the doctor if an interpreter is needed and offer to arrange. And you could do that at the time of booking if you feel that the patient's English is, you know, a little bit difficult to understand or they're having trouble understanding you. That might be worth doing. Have the TIS number and a list of the GP codes available at reception and ensure that all the GPs have a TIS code. And something else for reception is putting a note in the patient's appointments that, you know, that that the interpreter has actually already been arranged and what Mm. the details are, just as a reminder. And I guess there's a few things just to ask your practice manager about in that maybe if you've got a number of patients that do have English as a second language, maybe some signs in the waiting room or pamphlets about the availability of interpreters. And the other thing that's useful is for the GP to have a speakerphone, not just one where there's only the handset, being able to use that speaker so all the people involved in the conversation can hear. And then just something else that might be useful is, particularly if you've got Kathy as one of your staff yeah. members, <laughs> having a register of languages spoken by the staff together with their proficiency. Now, this would not be for the consultation, but certainly discussions about any administration, whether it's the appointment or referrals or billing. So there are a few things that people might be able to think about. Absolutely. It is possible now to get the COVID information in multiple languages and there's all those other sorts of resources that are available for people that speak languages other than English. So it's really moving in the right direction, but certainly using an interpreter is very helpful. Absolutely. So that's the end of our podcast today. We'll put some links in the show notes and thank you for doing what you do.